0: I'm talking now with Leanne Hall, the award-winning author of books for young adults and children, as well as short stories. Your text prize-winning book, This Is Shyness, is absolutely beautiful, still remains one of my my favourites on the shelf. Um, And your recent book, The Gaps, has just come out a few months ago. Um, And I wondered if you wanted to perhaps introduce that yourself um, and tell us a little bit about why you wrote it. Yeah,
1: sure. You think I'd be good at it by now, wouldn't you? Like I've done it a few times and every time I'm asked to kind of pitch my book or describe a book, I kind of, my brain scrambles. But basically the gaps is set at a private girl's school where one of the students has just been abducted. It it happens in the opening scenes of the book. So it isn't a spoiler to say that. Um, And the book is about two of the students at the school, Chloe and Natalia, um, and how they try to cope with the disappearance of one of their classmates. Um, Chloe and Natalia are two really, really different girls. Chloe's a scholarship student who's only just started at the school that year, and uh, Natalia is really embedded in the social life of the school and is very comfortable, very popular, Um, and they don't really have much in common, but somehow um, they find themselves bonding and working together for an art project that in a way is like Chloe's attempt to kind of process the crime that's happened at their school. Um, and it's really kind of, even though it focuses on two protagonists, it's kind of about how this crime affects all of the students at the school and the teachers and the families and, and kind of spreads out in ripples to the wider community.
0: It was absolutely beautiful. And I, when you talk about Natalia, I think when she walked onto the page, um, it, the book, I was already into it, but this really cemented it to me and the line, it's so it's for Natalia, the first chapter from um, Natalia's point of view. And she says, I'm a giant, of course, meters taller than the rest. I've been almost twice my usual size for six days now. And it just was so beautiful to, to be introduced to her that way. Um, and with Chloe as well, they're just such amazing girls, amazing young women. And I just felt really grateful with this book how much it sort of. Um, acknowledged and celebrated really complex um, girls and and their anger Uh, was that something that you set out to do? Um, Not so much
1: anger and I'm, I'm glad that you've picked up on the anger a lot of people mention it I think somebody tweeted about saying you know that it was a you know a good book despite the anger and I thought no no it's like it's a good book because of the anger. Um, like I, I really used a lot of anger to kind of drive the book. But I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that to come out when I first started it. Like it really wasn't my focus for this to be an angry book. But like you said, you Natalia makes herself known in a very bold and strong way. And you know, you said that you were kind of surprised when she showed up. I was really surprised when she showed up as well. I think she, her voice showed up in my head while I was um riding my bike to work. She kind of just like started talking in my ear and she was really, really mouthy and really, really quite rude. Um, And that's how her voice came to me. So I was also surprised and and Natalia is is a very angry person. Um, And that all just kind of came out in her voice as I was riding her and I just had to deal with it as it happened. Um, I guess the reason why there's so much anger in it, I suppose goes back to I realised I didn't really kind of answer second part of your first question which was why did I write this Um, you know and the simple answer to that is that I wrote this based on something that happened in my own high school years where a very similar crime happened at my high school where one of the students um, was taken um, was abducted from her own home and so that's the simple reason as to why I wrote the book I really actually wanted to go back to my own teenage years and explore what effects this crime had on me and also my friends and also um, all of the students around me. But what happened as I wrote it is that, well, more crimes happened, obviously, you know, like, uh, you know, crimes, a violent crime against a young woman. Unfortunately, you know, a really shocking one will kind of come along, you know, in the city every year or every couple of years and kind of shock the whole town um, and really shake people up and, and make people question, you know, why why do these acts happen in our community? How could this happen? And so because those things, crimes kept happening as I was writing it, um, each crime kind of provided a new reason to keep writing the book and also a new reason to be really angry. Like I was actually quite angry myself that that myself and and my friends had experienced such a crime when we were really young and angry that it just keeps happening like now that I'm a grown woman it's you know I've seen countless numbers of the numbers of these crimes kind of hit the pages of the newspaper so I think realizing that kind of really does lead to a lot of anger I think when you think that that nothing ever changes when it comes to violence against against women so yeah that was definitely the the fuel for the book.
0: Yeah, and I- and I did. I heard you in a podcast talking about the gaps that this book took quite a long time to write and obviously starting from an event in in your childhood I'm so sorry that that happened to you and your friends um, but even once you started writing it it's been a little while and um, we don't talk, I, I love talking about how long it took to write things so yeah give us some background
1: oh it I'm a really slow writer, I think. I mean, I think it's really common for writers to compare themselves to others. And I definitely compare myself all the time to other YA authors and just think, why does it take me so long? Like, why do I have to do so many different drafts? And why am I such a mess? And why do my stories always need so much restructuring? Um, Yeah, it's true. This book did take me a long time. Um, I started writing it, I think now, really, it was probably about nine years ago, but what happened was is I, it had a really, really like slow and long gestation period. I thought about it a long time before I started writing it because I wasn't sure if I should write about it, given that it was um, slightly based on real events. And I wasn't sure whether I could hack it, you know, like emotionally, wasn't sure whether I wanted to go into such dark material. I know when you write a book, you spend a lot of time with it. So if you're writing about something dark, and a little bit disturbing, you know you're actually going to have to be strong enough to spend time with that type of story for an extended period of time. So once I did start write, writing it, the way that I coped was to alternate it with writing a middle grade book, which was ended up being Iris and the Tiger, which was actually published in 2016, much earlier than this one. So the way that I kind of coped emotionally, would I would chop and change, swap between the gaps and writing Iris and the Tiger you know, and Iris and the Tiger is a very magical book. It's very, um, you know, it's for a younger audience. So it has a certain kind of lightness and innocence to it that was a real, a really good reprieve from writing The Gaps. Um, But the other reason it took me so long really was that I just wanted to do the story justice. It was a very personally important story to me. And I wanted to get it right, not just for myself, but I was aware that like, it's a very it's a story that needs to be told sensitively and ethically um so I really want to think about that quite deeply um I read a lot of crime fiction and I watch a lot of crime television and I listen to a few true crime podcasts um so in a way I'm kind of like uh I'm a consumer of of all sorts of crime stories but I'm kind of aware you know that I know that there are some ways that crime stories are told that I find really sensitive. Um, and there are some ways that crime stories are told that I find, you know, not the way that I would want to tell a story that I kind of flinch away from them and think that there's something that's not that careful or respectful about the way that this story is being told. So I think I took so long because I was, I was looking for the way to tell this story in a, in a respectful and sensitive way.
0: Yeah, that responsibility especially with something that's happened in in your real life um but not to mention all those stories that have coming out coming out each year I think you've you, you know, done such a really beautiful job and really honoring honoring in the character um in the book and I love I love the way that you did use Iris and the Tiger as a way to sort of help yourself through the writing process um, and I love that. I love that you write for such from different age groups and in different formats. And um, wondered if there are more, yeah, um, middle grade or short story writing in your future. Um, there's definitely
1: another middle grade in my future. I don't know when, given I'm so slow uh, to write a book. I think next I'm going to be writing what I think is a YA historical fiction, and then after that, I think I'll write uh, another middle grade fantasy book. Um, and it's possible I might even switch between the two. There's something beautiful about switching between YA and middle grade. I think they, I, I, I read them both like I'm a fan of both and a reader of both. Um, and I, I, yeah, I think it's kind of nice to flip back and forth as a writer between them. I think it kind of feeds different, part, different parts of your brain and different parts of your, of your writing to do so. But, yeah, there'll definitely be another, another middle grade. But, um, yeah, but I think there'll be a YA book before that. Who knows? You know what things are like. They kind of chop and change. You start off with one idea and then it evolves into something else. And short stories, is that something that still interests you? It is. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I started like my career, if you want to call it that, um, writing short stories. Like it was kind of how I learned to write. I didn't go to school for writing. I didn't do a creative writing degree Um, But I really kind of cut my teeth and learned my craft through writing short stories and trying to get them published. And they were like, there's not really that many avenues for short stories for a YA audience or a kid's audience. So these were, you know, stories intended for an adult audience, I suppose. And they were kind of, I guess, similar in tone to This Is Shyness, kind of, you know, strange, surreal, um, slightly magical in a kind of ordinary way type of short stories. I'd love to go back to short stories, but I do feel like so driven. I get so many ideas for books. I feel so driven towards writing novels that, you know, it's hard to think about myself setting aside the time to do more short writing. Um, but occasionally I'm asked to write a short piece and I always enjoy it. Um, and I've just, I've just started a PhD um you know, and one of my aims perhaps for my PhD is to branch out a little bit and, and let myself experiment a bit more with the type of writing I do. So maybe short story writing will be part of that experimentation, I hope.
0: And how's the PhD going? I feel like it's such a dream.
1: It is a dream. It was like a surprise dream that happened very fast. Um, I'm not really sure how it's going yet. I'm still in the very first few months of it. And um, so I have no idea. It's a whole new world. Like it's, I've come from a very, you know, just got thrown into having a book published really pretty early on when I was quite green and I didn't feel that like my skills were fully developed. So, you know, editing this as shyness really was kind of like my right my writing education, working with a professional editor for the first time. And it, it happened sort of probably very early on before, maybe I was strictly really ready for the opportunity. Um, and, you know, I also, um, have worked as a bookseller for many, many years at Readings, I think like around about 13, 13 years or something up until up until now. And so I've, I've really like experienced books in a very particular sort of way in writing. And now being thrust into doing um, a PhD in academia, it's like a totally different way to think about writing in books um, that's really separate from commerce and separate from bookselling and separate from really the main the main reason being publication. So it's it's a whole new world for me. So I'm still I'm still finding my feet but extraordinarily like grateful to be able to do it and interested to see what happens.
0: That sounds amazing um and liberating to to sort of be able to forget that sort of like corporate monetary side of, of things. Yeah it's so exciting to to be able to just cast that aside for now and really focus on your craft. Um, and, yeah, if that's something you haven't done before, um, as, or if, do, do you feel like you haven't been able to do that in the past? I feel like I haven't been able to do that since This Is Shyness
1: got published. Like, I, I know it's easy to be, like, romantic about how easy it was, like, before you got published and how creatively free you felt and there was no pressure. And I know it wasn't exactly like that, but sometimes in my head, I kind of make it that nostalgic of just, like, you know it's true there it, there was nothing quite like writing that first book without the pressure of feeling like you had a readership or any expectations um so i definitely don't think i have felt that up until now but gosh it's really hard to get grant yourself that sense of freedom and not freak out about it or not like cling to what you know really tightly so i, I really hope i can like just let go and and loosen up a little bit but it remains to
0: be seen that's my aim and I've been thinking a lot about inspiration and especially over the last sort of 18 months with our lives changing so much how do you find that inspiration to start writing and has it changed lately (laughs) I haven't found any inspiration for the last the last 18 months I'm afraid to say Um, I think that's pretty normal
1: (laughs) I think it's normal isn't it I know that there's some there's A handful of writers that are just like, oh, I wrote a whole book. It was amazing. I'm so inspired. For me, I've just been so anxious and distracted and worried and just that weird particular like brain fog and mushy brain fuzz that comes from extended lockdowns. Um, I have not felt, it's not that I haven't felt creative. I felt imaginative and creative, but I just have not been focused and I haven't been clear-minded, um, so I haven't been able to sit down and really put in extended, focused efforts on any project of writing. So it's sort of pitiful how few words I've written in in the last eighteen months or so. Um, but it has been a pretty normal experience, I think. I think of everyone, and I've, I've I'm a big fan of doing Pomodoro's. Like that's how I trick myself into writing. Is I I give myself a really, really low bar. Like I say, Leanne, today you're just going to do two pomodoros. So, you know, two 25-minute, just short sprints, that's it. No, you don't have to do any more than that. And usually what happens is I actually do want to keep going after those first two pomodoros. But if I sort of, if I started in the morning and said, Leanne, you're going to write for two hours today, I wouldn't do it. But if I just give myself a really small thing, I kind of warm up and, and I get into it. Um, so that's, that's helped, but it's definitely um, definitely something I need to focus on. But, of course, you know, you know what it's like. It's, it's quite hard to juggle freelance work, you know, and um, you know it's quite hard to juggle paid work with your writing. And I, I tend to, like, lean more towards the tasks that are really clear cut that I can cross off on the list and that have money attached to them. I can justify that to myself. And I find my motivation much stronger to do those types of tasks, which means that that novel writing is always the last thing that I go to, like the thing that I avoid and the thing that I procrastinate
0: about. Still working on it. <laughs> I'm trying. I think that sounds amazing. I definitely have embraced the uh, surrealist technique of automatic writing to trick myself into Yay. writing. And I don't even give myself anywhere near 25 minutes. I set an alarm for three minutes and I say, just write Perfect. and write gibberish. And And similarly, you just... Usually keep going, but I really love that idea of just writing absolute nonsense and looking back over it, and hopefully something turns up. Yeah, how often do you find this stuff in the nonsense? Like, how often do you look back and? Um, yeah, I think that's where my my new idea that came to me in the May Gibbs came from, oh. and it was. Um, I was was listening to John Green podcast talking about Amy Krauss Rosenthal who said pay attention to what you pay attention to like I want to write about what I'm interested about and it's that freedom you were talking about with your first book I have no commitment to a contract um, with my writing now and so being able to just use my own interests to to figure out what it is I'm going to write next feels really important and the easiest way to get back in. (laughs) it should be obvious shouldn't it like write about what you're
1: interested in but our brains are amazing and how much we censor ourselves with like what we think is more important more interesting what we should be writing about instead of just focusing like on obsessive passion and interest you know that we hold kind of like really dear to ourselves so yeah it's good to hear good to hear you doing that
0: yeah and um i think if you're continuing on with the idea to write for young adults i'm not sure about you but whether you are thinking about that readership and I often think of myself as a not teenager trying to think of a, a book idea that will appeal to teenagers. Do you think about your audience that way? Um,
1: I do I do always think about my audience. It It's hard to say isn't it? I just always think about a certain, it comes up in the character development I think, rather than I don't sort of think about them as readers but I always pick a character at a certain age and a certain part of their development and about to embark on a certain momentous point in, in their life, which, you know, for me, I always think of the teenage years often. Um, and so I, it's through thinking through what my protagonist is experiencing and feeling that I kind of tap into, I, it, it sort of happens by default that I tap into what I think that the audience like wants or, or will respond to and it often does when I'm trying to figure out that main protagonist, I often am thinking back to my own teenage years and trying to sort of extrapolate from there, at least draw some parallels between how I felt as a teenager um, and how I feel like, for example, in this historical fiction, you know, I'm writing a um, a young Chinese Australian character and the, the book is going to be in around about 1941 and 1942. And um, I think she's, She's around about 17 or 18 and she just like yearns for a little bit of excitement in her life, she just wants her world to open up a little bit and become exciting like she's waiting for the excitement to start and arrive and so I I think about that age for myself and the kind of things that I wanted and the kind of excitement I was craving I just really wanted my world to crack open and all these experiences to flow in so I then try to extrapolate you know and take it back to 1941 and 1942 and think about what kind of excitements that this character would want
0: Oh that sounds wonderful I can't wait to read it but taking you'll out. be waiting a while I'm pretty sure <laughs> it's all right. I
1: mean I'm slow to begin with imagine how slow I'm going to be with all this historical research <laughs>
0: the PhD on top of everything yeah (laughs) um and, and so over the last 18 months or over the last week or so have you been reading I know that um I had a slump but have really started reading again quite ferociously what about you
1: yeah I did have a real slump as well and I really um I read a lot of much lighter books I read um I read a lot of romance actually I think last year um Yes, I've definitely tended towards kind of the lighter end of things, but I have definitely rediscovered my reading mojo. Um, You know, I've, I've left reading. So when I was at readings at the bookshop, I was reading a lot of kids, a lot of children's fiction and YA fiction, because that was my job. That was the area that I was a specialist in. Since starting the PhD, you know, I've really broadened out in my reading material, but I actually prepared a stack. I knew you were going to ask me this. Fabulous. So I've prepared, I've prepared a stack of books of things I've read recently. I'm terrible. I'm not like those YouTube kind of like makeup, um, those, make, those makeup YouTubers that kind of do the thing with their hands where you can see. Um, so let's see. I read The Monster of Her Age by Danielle Binks recently and absolutely loved it it's really unlike any any Australian YA or any YA book I've really read before. It was it was kind of amazing. Um, and I really felt like I was in Tasmania when I was reading it. And that was a pleasant change, having been stuck in Melbourne for so long. I feel like the, the setting, the Hobart setting was so vivid. Um, and I, I love the focus on film and cinema history and and this really um, difficult relationship that the protagonist has with her, her grandmother and how she tries to resolve that. So that's one. Um, I just got dragon skinned by Karen Foxley. Um, this just arrived in the post the other day. It's a beautiful hardcover um, illustrated book. Um, and I read this quite, quite a while ago now, I think in proof version. Um, and of course, you know, everyone knows Karen's writing. It's always absolutely beautiful. Um, and this is like such a gorgeous, gorgeous story about a group of kids that take care of a baby dragon that they find. Um, and it's kind of, yeah, the friendships that they form around kind of taking care of this little, this new little pet that they have. And it's it's very touching, you know, the, the girl in it is in a very difficult family situation. So there's this real balance of really quite difficult stuff happening in her in her family life together with this, this gorgeous thing of taking care of a baby dragon. Terrifying thing, taking care of a baby dragon, actually. Um, and the, other, the last thing I'm reading is I'm reading Eileen Chang, Love in a Fallen City, which is a series of novellas and short stories. Eileen Chang is one of those um, cult authors that a lot of people recommend and say you must read. And for many, many years, I thought, oh gosh, I've got to get around to reading her. Um, and she actually, these stories were written around about the time that my historical fiction novel is going to be set. And she wrote them when she was really, really young in her late teens and early 20s. So I actually think for teenagers or for people that read a lot of YA, these stories really that beautiful kind of like late teens, early 20s kind of time of life, um, set in Hong Kong and Shanghai during the 1930s and 1940s. And I've only just started it, but you know, I had high expectations given how many times I've seen her recommend it as a writer and she's definitely totally exceeding my expectations. Yeah.
0: Oh, wonderful. I've only read one of those, so I look forward to exploring more. Thank you so much, Leanne, for for having a chat with me today. I also wanted to mention that this episode is being supported by the Bookshop at Queenscliff. It's a really beautiful bookshop down on the Bellarine Peninsula. I highly recommend everyone visit have some fish and chips uh, ice cream from the Scandinavian ice cream shop just two doors down um and I kept thinking about they've got a like an unofficial junior bookseller Frankie and I think Iris and the Tiger if she hasn't already read it she would definitely love your your beautiful book um they've become such an amazing part of the community over the last few years since they um, took over the bookshop and so I'm really pleased that they're they're part of our our thing <laughs>
1: yeah thank you so much it's been it's been lovely lovely to chat and I'm going to go to that bookshop in Queensland as soon as I can you painted such a beautiful picture of eating ice cream going to the bookshop so as soon as we're allowed out of our five kilometer limit I'm, I'm definitely there